Democracy can be loosely defined as a way of governing that is dependent on the will of the people. South Africa is almost 30 years into democracy. But is that the way in which we are experiencing democracy as South Africans? My name is Sile Bolani and welcome to the Workplace Revolution. Today I'm joined by Dumi Sole, who is a corporate attorney and founder of Hashtag Country Duty a social movement founded as a response to empower South Africans to be more action-oriented in relation to matters that affect the country and communities we live in. He has many accolades, and if you have interacted with Dumi on any platform, then you know exactly what I'm talking about, but I'll share just a few. Aside from being the founder of Hashtag Country Duty, he uh, is the creator and founder of Hashtag Running with Dumi Sole. He is male and guardian, top 200 young South Africans from 2019, top 100 most influential young South Africans in 2019, Top 100 Most Influential Young Africans in 2020. Featured on Destiny Magazine in 2020. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> Finalist, panelist at the Twitter event through the hashtag start with them. And so much more. Do me welcome to the Workplace Revolution. Thank you, Zitla, and thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. So where does a lawyer find the time to be so active, particularly, I mean, I got to know you through Twitter. Yeah. Um, and I would say predominantly because of hashtag country duty. Yeah. Um, what is it that inspired you to begin to create conversations? Because we understand that the nature of hashtags is to drive and monitor conversations. 100%. What led to country duty? I think um, country duty came as a result of what was happening in the country back in the days. I think that was 2018 or so. You'd recall there would be a time where we'd have to just wake up and suddenly there's a cabinet reshuffle. But over and above that, the you know, I'd say the trajectory of the country was, was worrying. And I'll talk to that even now, for example, um, because there's the for and against type of debate. But for me, it was an opportunity to, because people on Twitter already, you know, um, worried, already having a conversation. And what then became important is to have a structured place to find that conversation. And it was through the power of the hashtag country duty. And really coining it was more of this is beyond to me, this is beyond the colleagues and people that were on country duty, but it's you as an individual, you as a citizen who has a voice and can really share on, on what's happening in the country. You know, what you're saying is so important because, you know, whether you're thinking about it in the context of South Africa as a country that we're all citizens of or whether you're considering it in the context of the workplace, yeah. right? We often sit in our little spaces as individuals and we want things to change. We want things to happen, but we don't see ourselves in that picture. We don't put ourselves in that picture to say, okay, so how do I take personal responsibility to be able to contribute for the benefit of the greater whole, for the collective. Yes. So what would you say are some of the things that inspire you to be so dedicated to doing work that is going to be of benefit to the greater whole? Thank you. And I think that's a very important uh, question. I think, you know, when you realize, for example, that there's a lot that one has been exposed to. Um, I was born and bred in Soweto. I went to a Soweto school 
went to vet um, and, you know, now I'm in and around Jovek with, with the family. But every time I go home, um, it's still that road that closer to the elections is still getting fixed. It doesn't make sense. There have been instances where the councillor would be a councillor of the area but doesn't reside there. And these are just one but few of these examples but in a country where for example the youth has an active voice at the time i was still a youth um, so i'm not gonna know my age but i just want to say that you know social media twitter in particular gave one an opportunity to be saying it doesn't just help to stay in your corner come out let's talk about this and come up with solutions and really that has led to various initiatives coming on um i remember and i'll just mention one just to contextualize why for example this was more than to me but more for the for the collective good and the country there was a motion of no confidence um, that was set down I think in Parliament I just forgot the date and the question was because country duty was not just only about to me it was actually interesting because we had and we still have people that we've never met um, but other than speak on Twitter and DMs and telegram for example where we say, your skill set is probably IT, for example, you have this other skill set. How do we bring those together in a way that can benefit South Africans or rather raise awareness, for example? And then one of the guys was like, I'm in IT, I actually have an understanding of how Twitter works. How about we start a hashtag within country duty where we get people to hold government and ministers to vote accordingly? And because there was litigation on the secret ballot and everything, we then said at 12, for example, a Twitter feed will be scheduled and it will drop at a certain time. And what we then did was we found um, the minister's numbers on the parliament website. That's actually public information that people can get. And then we then schedule tweets and it say, Minister Mbalula, at two o'clock you're about to vote, do it for your country and do your country duty. And at that time I was sitting in a meeting because these are scheduled tweets and they would go at any given 10 minutes. And it would drive the ministers insane. It would really just result in a conversation. And it was picked up. Again, the power of technology, power of the collective. But that's really how we then said, let's put the country first. We understand your political allegiances, but this is bigger than the country at that time. No, absolutely. And, you know, you raise such an important point um, about, you know, being able to understand that, we all have different things that we can contribute, you know, and this is something that I also speak about in my first book, We're the Ones We Need, where, you know, in my encouraging black professionals to work as a collective is with what you have, where you are, what can you do Absolutely. that helps us shift the needle. Yeah. But in South Africa, socially, the context is a, maj a, a huge number of South Africans don't have the level of education that would enable them mm -hmm. to be able to think in that way yes they don't have the tools to be able to contribute in the ways that we speak about because yes. we're socially we social media savvy yes. we are you know in tune with what's happening what's 100%. hot we have the the the, the words the language yes. all of these things we understand nuances but a huge portion of our population does not understand correct and so often you find people are just feeling Helpless, yes. hopeless. Yeah. And what's the point? Better the devil you know. 
And it's often the discussion and rather a held view. But I think with people with power, with, you know, influence, for example, it's, you know, incumbent upon them to make a change and drive that change within their respective communities. I think over and above us, as you, I would say, calling us sophisticated, we need to start being agents in our communities and say, I come from Soweto, Dobsonville. These are the issues affecting my community, my street. What is it that I can do, you know, with the little power or influence that I have? And I think once we start galvanizing like that, it then can blow up and become something else. Because it was easier on Twitter, for example, because it's a hashtag, it's a view, and you start being critical. And one thing about Twitter is, you know, you, you learn so much. It could be a very toxic, and it's often toxic, right? But you need to take what's important, and if anything, use that block button if it becomes too much for you and move on and curate content that you really relate to. But I think it's really a calling for all of us agents of change to do our part in our respective communities. Absolutely. So 29 years into a democratic state and, you know, when we had the first democratic elections, it was on my 11th birthday. It was a very long time ago. <laughs> yes, I think also we said we are not going to be uh, discriminating on the basis of age, right? And, you know, when I reflect on what I was led to believe I can expect yeah. from this new reimagined yes. nation yes. versus what I've actually been experiencing, it's been very jarring yeah. because obviously it's a good thing that we are not in apartheid. There's no debating that. Absolutely. However, we have some very, very big, deep-seated issues that we're actually dealing with as a country. Mm. You know, you, you speak a lot about being a representative and an advocate for your community because that's where it starts. Yeah. You know, that those are the issues that you're most familiar with and those are the people that need a voice, you know, um, and for us to be able to reflect on with the privilege that I have and the access that I have, how can I better serve my community? What are some of the things that for you and your community in particular are the, you know, the things that really kind of stand out for you or the things that keep you awake at night or the things that you really are just like, we really have to fix this thing? Yeah. So one, in fact, there's, there's quite a few, but, and, and more so because often when I go home, I see it, right? Um, and this talks to these roads that are not fixed, for example. Um, crime, how it's so escalated that it's suddenly become uncontrollable. And we need to also say to the communities, it's not only government's responsibility. And I think the danger is always people thinking that we are always critiquing government. But what we are saying is, how do we then have government with the resources, private sector, for example, helping us bridge that gap? So in my community, for example, there's less sporting um, facilities, you know, and therefore the default could be crime or, or, or drugs or otherwise. I've had friends who've used drugs um, and some of them died, some were hooked on that and became a choice of school, this other life and doing things differently. And I think, for example, as I said, the roads, um, the the infrastructure, um, 
essence of dignity. You know, when 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 I we moved in, starting from a shack, and ultimately seeing it, and mom leaving work and building a house, for example. But there are shacks over and above the community that I come in. People are still struggling for the basic needs, and. Ultimately, it's a situation of better the devil we know than really changing the status quo. And that's why we need more change agents in communities that can say, I now have access. How do I involve the Minister of Sports to come and help or rather come up with programs? If we are talking to the Department of Social Services, how do we then talk smart IDs and be able to have a community wall being Wi-Fi empowered for that day and people are able to register? So we need to be talking, thinking differently and doing things differently. But this having the same people, the older people deciding for us, I think it's definitely going to come and and haunt us. Absolutely. I mean, you know, one of the things I was going to mention was around the fact that we do have a a younger population now, yes. right? Um, but at the same time, the younger population is largely disengaged from yes. politics. Yes. For a number of reasons. One, they don't believe in the leaders that we have. They don't trust the leaders that we have. Um, sometimes you hear comments like, there's no point in voting, yes. so I'm just not going to vote for anyone. Yes. Um, you know, uh, there's so, so many people in this country, and particularly young people, who just feel that their voice doesn't matter. Yes. And now we are starting to feel the wave of the 2024 yes. national elections yes. coming up. Yes. Um, and you and I are part of uh, um, a, a really in beautiful and really, really important campaign yes. where we are actually focusing on helping younger South Africans to understand why your voice is important, why it matters, yeah. and why you actually must register to vote. Yeah. Why did you decide that being a part of the Rainbow Leaders campaign makes sense for you? I think... That was an easy one for me um, because, as I said, coming from a community like I've been at and grew up in, um, the challenges that the community still continues to face. The issues that we read on, um, on social media, for example, where crime, um, women, GBV-related issues, and other issues that they can be solved or rather people be heard through voting, for example. So when I was approached, it became, listen, this makes sense. If I can use my influence and power, for example, or awareness to say there's, you know, 36 plus million people in South Africa and 18 million of those are the youth. That's a very critical number that can change the status quo, right? That's the number where instead of just complaining, um, can be able to say, we've given them a chance, we need someone else. Um, and again, how do we then, over and above social media, take it to the next level? So when Rainbow Leaders came and approached me and you, you know, we were able to say to them, let us use this opportunity like what we're doing now and hopefully people will be able to watch and also provide us with their views and say you know how do I then become a change agent so that was for something that I could relate to something that I believe in and I think over and above this discussion we'll be having an opportunity to be engaging with these communities and saying it does not help to stay at home. Mm. That's absolutely true and you know one of the things that I resonated with, you know, when um, 
this this campaign was was presented to me was the fact that Rainbow Leaders is dedicated to reducing the inequality that exists in the country yes. and promoting democracy. Yes. And it's very difficult to promote democracy and a culture of democracy in a country where its citizens are not participating yes. in the process. Yeah. And so it becomes even more important for those of us who actually do have the platforms, who do have um, audiences that connect with us, communities online and offline, where we can leverage that access and those platforms to be able to help people understand that actually it's about all of us. Yes. If Dumi doesn't do his part, it affects me. If Absolutely. I don't do my part, it affects you. Yep. And I think drilling it down to that level where you understand that it's not just about you or yep. your home, you know, it's the the impact is so far reaching. Because when you think about the fact that there are, I don't know, 18 million, yeah. 18, 19-year-olds, right? Yep. right? Yep. And... Over ninety percent of them didn't even register to vote yes. Um, yes. in the local government elect the last local government elections. That is a huge portion of voices that have not been heard. But it's the same voices that will also feel that they are not being listened to. Exactly. Right, and that power is the one that they hold. Now, I think it's that opportunity for us to be able to say we start in this conversation, and how do we then cascade it down further with our listeners and our audiences, and say to them, you actually have this power. You know, I think people who'd be watching would be saying, well, yes, that's great, and that's important, but what about the bread and butter issues, for example, right? But I think if we have leaders that are really thoughtful, that are caring for the people, that understand that this unemployment rate that still goes up, it's a ticking time bomb. It's just a matter of time, really, that all of us um, will be facing and dealing with this face on, that that opportunity and having people who care and can come up with policies that reduces unemployment, that at least enables that women and children in particular in a safe place, that's the voice and opportunity. And that's what a vote, I think, can do and will do. So it doesn't really help once again to stay at home. And I think one of the other things that really impedes our ability to have meaningful conversations about this topic in particular yeah is how there is often a, a, a pressure or an influence to compartmentalize mm -hmm. our lives. So when you think about the workplace and you start to, or you want to have a conversation about diversity, equity, and inclusion, yes. then it's like, oh no, that's too political. Yeah. Yes, we yes. don't talk about that stuff yes. at work. Yes. And yet everything about my identity as a black woman 100%. in a white corporate South Africa is political. Uh, absolutely is. Right? And... Interestingly, it also then suddenly matters when you're looking at the PE status, the PE report, the equality or employment equity report and stuff like that, where who's in senior management, what does it look like, what does the transformation policy, but you're absolutely right, it you know, whatever happens in society, it extends further to corporate essay. And again, it's a calling for them to do their part. I think with the money that they have, they need to be able to fund these type of initiatives where they say, 
we we know that it's a very sophisticated place but voter education is important not influence who to vote for but rather the importance of voting and why for example not voting is not helpful and i think everyone if they care about this country that's what they need to be looking at and doing as corporate essay for example absolutely now one of the things that i have found just from the many election processes that yes. I've witnessed um, is how the the narratives, just across the board, when you speak about elections and politicians, it's an an old narrative. It's, I mean, I, I'm not youth, yes. but even for me, I'm like, I, this doesn't even resonate with me, yes. right? Yeah. And even less so for, I mean, I have an 18-year-old, yeah. and she's just like, what on earth, what in the ghetto <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> is yes. happening here? There's no vibes here, right? It's I'm not, not giving, as they say, yeah. <laughs> right? It's not giving, yes, as they yes, say. Yeah. What do we need to be saying to young people that will help them feel like, okay, maybe it is worth a shot? Yeah, and, and that's a very important question. Um, for my 13-year-old daughter i think if they do not take this calling serious um the 16 the 21 year old that will be watching this they will be sitting like you and i in 2040 and saying you know we need to vote we need to encourage the youth i think it's time that um they do their part they listen, they are accessible, right? They are here on their phones and everything. Um, they read and they, they, they ask the right questions. But I also think there's an opportunity, for example, with the basic education department, um, where, you know, from a curriculum perspective, why voting um, is important, you know, not influencing who to vote for, but that power that the voting uh, comes with. Because this is a constitutionally enshrined right. People died for this. And we can talk about everything else, you know, the right to economic freedom and access to the workplace and why it should be. But when it comes to the right to vote, it's somewhat a political issue or terrain and we don't delve into it. It's time that when we speak about 4IR, we need to include this voting that says then the leaders that we are going to select, they will be equally capable to really take us to the next revolution. It's very sad if you look at um, some of the recent studies on literacy and what the country is facing. You know, there's then this, you know, percentage between those who can read and those who can't, especially at grades one, foundation phase one to four, for example. And the biggest majority are kids in rural areas. Our kids, for example, are privileged, right? And we need to say that. But what about those who aren't able to access education? Um, Situations where recently, if you've seen the news, the budget in the Eastern Cape for housing and education was returned to National Treasury. But every two days or every expose on TV, we hear about mud schools in the Eastern Cape. Um, Things not happening. So to the little ones, to those ones who will be watching and really asking, why is this important? You do not want to be sitting here in 2040 and still trying to come up with solutions. You need to be able to say, it's our time now. This leader has not delivered according to the promises that they made, and therefore, let's recall. You know, how do we then influence a change in the electoral health system with 
a way of saying if there's no accountability, there's a performance review or whatever, and this is how we can get them out because we really need to do our part because they'll be left to be having these conversations when we're no longer there. Absolutely. Um, I mean, just across the board, that's also one of the things that I've always reinforced is if we as this generation don't step up to the challenge that our generation needs to solve, it's going to be left to the next generation and then yes. their challenge won't be solved. And then it, and it just becomes this kind of knock-on exactly. domino effect. And there is such a huge responsibility that each of us has that we actually have to take accountability for. Absolutely. We can't hide behind anything or anyone anymore. We yes. actually have to stand up and be counted. Absolutely. And I also think, you know, um, it's not pushing one political party over the other. It's about saying these are the leaders that are in society, the leaders that make promises, right? Um, we're promised free education. Um, and the posters were there. If you go to Snake Park, um, Chengoville, and, and, and Alex, for example, free housing and all of those things, that was a promise um, that was made in 1994, 1998, um, amongst other things, to our parents, right, to say, vote for us, this is what's going to happen. But when that changed, um, there was no level of engagement, consultation, for example, to say, you know what, um, we thought we'll come in as the government of the day. Uh, things have changed, but how do we then co-create, co-collaborate with you to change what we initially had promised um, and this is what we can do? Um, and, and I think that's, that's, that's really the bigger issue. I mean, government is doing well in some fronts, right? So, for example, on the housing fund, I mean, this, this government has done, you know, phenomenally well worldwide as compared to other countries in terms of RDP and the likes, and we give kudos to that. Can they do more? Absolutely. Um, and, and what is more? And does that more mean that the citizens have to be part of that solution? Absolutely. And no one should be left behind. And it's about time that, again, have accountable leaders that make promises, and if they don't deliver we are able to really ask them why. I mean, if, you know, to anyone who's watching, if you were to ask what were they promised four years ago, we'll be thinking, let me just find that Good video. Yeah, what, what did they say? And then it comes back in 2024, a few months from now, you know, catch differently. But it's basically the same thing, you know, together creating jobs, together finding solutions, together doing this, and then ultimately, but that together we're not seeing. Yeah. You know, we, 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 how do we move from a slogan to action? And I think that's some of the things that are missing um, in this whole debate in how things have been done in this country, um, we definitely need ethical leaders. We definitely need leaders that are able to take scrutiny and not see it as, you know, you are pushing an agenda uh, type <laughs> yeah. of stuff, yeah. you know, and stuff. You know, say, listen, I'm not perfect. I've done wrong. However, this is what I'm intending on doing to correct that. And I was probably not listening or I made this promise uh, five months ago. Things have changed or I was ill-advised. Um, I need assistance. And I think for me, if we were to have leaders like that, it will go a long way because it builds the element of trust. It builds an opportunity to say, well, they're not listening. How 
do they then or how do we then come in and make suggestions? I think the, the danger has always been that some of our leaders speak as if we are all the same, um, sophisticated, understand how government works or otherwise. People on the ground um, are angry, they need jobs, they need everything. Let's now start addressing them as real people because they are. They, they, they deserve human dignity. Let's not take them for a ride because of votes. Let's not make those promises that are not going to be realized because these are dreams that are going to be shattered. And again, for what? A T-shirt and, 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 and some water? That shouldn't be the case. In fact, and I want to say, it's every government's responsibility to provide that. That grant, it's not from the government of the day. It's a constitutional right. Any government that comes in, in the U.S., they call it um, social, what do you call it? Um, forgot the word. But some welfare. They'll say I'm on state welfare or, or whatever. So if X government comes in, they have to provide that. So your grant won't be taken away, Goko, Mama, Malume. It will be provided for. So you shouldn't be worried that your your grant, your disability grant, will go away if someone else comes entitled to that, and it's what the state should be providing. Mm. You know, you just to wrap up our conversation. Yeah. What you mentioned earlier about the the types of leaders that we need. You know, people who are able to say. I know I said this, but it has not happened for these reasons, or I have fallen short here, or I have, so this is what I'm going to do to remedy it, or this is the assistance that I need, and if you are one of the people who is happy to assist me, this is how you can get in touch with us. Those things are the most basic tenets of accountability, yes. right? But for them to get to a point where they admit their shortcomings and ask for help, it requires citizens to be able to say, wait a minute. You said, yeah. Right? Performance management 101. Yes, yes. Right? And you can't do that. You can't hold them accountable if you don't use your voice. Yeah. If you don't contribute towards votes, to conversations, to, you know, one of the things that we speak about, uh, you know, in... in the Rainbow Leaders campaign is the fact that if you shift your thinking to seeing South Africa as a company and mm. you are a board member of that yeah. company, you're not going to let the CEO just do what they want or the HR yeah. director yes. run it into the ground. You're yeah. going to be like, I want answers, I want solutions, otherwise exactly. your time is up. Absolutely. Because it's not about the person, right? It's about are you delivering what we require of you? Yes. If you're not, you have an opportunity to fix it. If you don't fix it, you're out. Absolutely. And again, you are right. We speak of SA Incorporated. This this is what it is, right? Um, some people will say, well, you can't run it like that. But I think from a basic example or tenant perspective on from an accountability, you know, we, we, we've outsourced it to um, these political parties. But yet we have someone, a president or a leader of the opposition, and they will belong to a political party. But I think when it comes to solutions, they, we really need to see more. We need to, to hear more. Um, the bickering most of the time um, doesn't help. It doesn't take the country um, forward. Um, and what we're saying is include the citizens more. Um, and I think it's time also to the organized communities 
continue doing your part, but have that element of accountability and being in a position to recall a leader that is not delivering. I think, you know, the way things are structured politically and the voting system, for example, um, it also makes it difficult if a political party or certain people are like, this one is staying, you know, it then disenfranchises the citizens who are already aggrieved and they don't really have a voice. So it's, it's time that we start saying, how do we empower and being able to then allow citizens to say, we are in the middle of the four years, this is year two or two and a half, uh, things have to change. And people will argue um, that it doesn't work that way. Of course it doesn't work that way because there are programs and otherwise, but I think at the bare minimum, there has to be a level of standard that citizens can be able to know, uh, access, and be able to demand accountability. We've heard about performance agreements. I haven't seen one. Maybe I'm not looking, um, but every SONA and, and closer to elections, we get told that there will be these performance agreements and whatnot. If those are there, share it. Um, let's then say, how do we performance, um, you know, manage all these leaders that are making decisions on our behalf? So it's access, it's, it's, it's collaboration, co-creating, and for us to come together. And really, we can only achieve that, amongst other things, by voting. Absolutely. So Tumi, for anybody who wants to connect with you online, where can they find you? Um, they can find me on Twitter. <laughs> uh, um, so it's Dumisole, that, that, that's, that's my handle. Um, Facebook, um, the same. Instagram, the same. YouTube, dumisole.com. Um, and, you know, you can check out Running with Dumisole, the hashtag if you intend on walking, running, and ultimately joining our running club, which is a social movement as well of runners, of people, really a community um, as well. So, yeah, um, that, that's where we are. And we be delighted if really you you follow Sitla as well. Check out the work that she does, um, the power that you know she holds in terms of sharing experiences, allowing people to be vulnerable, giving us this opportunity to share, um, not only from you know listenership but but the sincerity that comes with it. So do your part, follow, engage, share, critique us, um, and let's let's have that conversation because I think that's also what is key. Absolutely. You know, we do have blind spots, and I think that. That's one thing that we would want to hear when we have these conversations with the people. Absolutely. And I think that's the most critical thing about these conversations. This conversation yeah. that we're having yeah. is it's not a conversation about Dumi and I. It's a yeah. conversation about all of us because all of our voices matter. Yeah. Just as much as all of our votes will matter in 2024 and beyond. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode of The Workplace Revolution with me, Sihle Polani Dumi. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Um, and please do send us your comments, share your thoughts. If you don't want to share them publicly, our DMs are open. We really yeah. want to know what you're thinking, what's on your mind, and what you think needs to happen in order for South Africa to truly thrive as a country. I'll see you again next time.